0: A really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. and We believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. Uh, Just a few dates for your diaries. Um, Hopefully we're going to get a newsletter out soon because there's lots coming up. I just looked at the diary for the next Up Till Christmas and it is jam-packed. So we need to start getting those dates in our diaries so that we can join in with them. So just a few for you here. We've got our light party on Sunday the 29th of October. We'll be giving out flyers for them. Please pray. We really want our community to come in and celebrate with us. We've got the opportunity, as you know, we're doing two this year. So there's the opportunity for 120 children to come into this church building. Wouldn't that be amazing? I'm trying to convince myself, wouldn't that be amazing to have all those children in here? So really pray for that. The booking for that is going to be on Eventbrite and it goes live on the 8th of October. Uh, On Sunday the 15th of October, it's David's first Sunday back. So we thought it would be really lovely to have a bring and share lunch so we can celebrate with him. Let him know how much we've missed him and just hear some of his stories about his amazing trip. And then... For the ladies, sorry men, I'm sure something will happen for you. But on the 2nd of December, we're having an Advent retreat. We know that Christmas is a manic time. And I have to say this, excuse me men, but I do think it's particularly manic for women. So those women that are going to have a really, really mad time at Christmas, 2nd of December, you can come here and just be. So we're having an Advent retreat. There will be more details to follow. But please put that date in your diary and keep it there. Okay, really exciting news. And I think, how are you going to come up? You can bring Lizzie if you want to. Lizzie's very good at announcements, yeah. so.
1: Thank you. Hello, everyone. Um, so as some of you may know, myself and my wife, Sinead, we um, decided to help the church by trying to connect with the youth, uh, which is like basically teenagers, so anyone in secondary school and all that. And what we're planning to do is we're planning to have... Um, get-togethers with the youth just to talk about things that they're going through, talk about life and talk about the walk of God as well, because something that we notice is that although we have a lot of uh, resources for the children, we don't actually have anything for any of the teenagers, um, and a lot of these children will be heading into that age group soon, so it'd be nice if we could, you know, bridge that gap. Um, so the first thing we have is we actually have a meet and greet October the 1st, Um which is, I think, next week, right? Next week, Sunday, um, after church. So if you have any teenagers or any youth, I don't think I see anyone, actually. Um, Okay, yeah, I see one. (laughs) But, yeah, so if you have any of them, you can... Oh, Lizzie's trying to run away. She said I'm not... Goodbye, Lizzie. (laughs) So, yeah, um, if you have any teenagers, next week, um, Sunday, after church, we'll be meeting at the Ark, just to, you know, talk about what we're planning to do, um, when we're planning to meet, what we're planning to do with the meeting is that we're planning to have it every um, holiday period. So it's going to be Christmas, Easter, so that we can you know, talk and discuss what's being on in the first few quarters. Um, and then after that, December, we have a games night. Um, it's going to be board games, it's going to be video games, it's going to be any kind of games. Um, and the good thing about these things is food is provided. <laughs> so it's free food. Tell whoever you know to come. Um, And yeah, that's it.
0: And we're just so thankful that Sinead and Harold have stepped up and are gonna do this. We're so excited about this. There's such a need and we're really grateful that they're gonna do it, fantastic. Um, And then I just really wanted to talk about giving. As you know, we talk about giving every week. It is part of our worship. Worship isn't just singing. Worship isn't just praying. Worship is bringing everything we've got to God. And I was thinking about the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And I was thinking about the little boy. And can you imagine if that little boy had looked at his lunch and thought, actually, I'm really hungry. I'm going to hide it away and pretend I haven't got anything. Or can you imagine if that little boy had looked at his lunch and thought, this is really, really not a very good lunch. I'm really embarrassed by it there's not a lot here, I can't go and give this. Can you imagine if he kept it to himself? He didn't, he gave what he had and that's all that God asks us to do. And so really think about your giving, think about if you don't tithe, then please speak to Liz and Liz will um, give you a form. And, And then we get gift day back from that, which really makes a huge difference to our income. So just think about what you're giving time wise but also money wise and remember that little boy if he thought that what he had wasn't worth anything what a different story that would have been and so even if we think what we've got isn't even worth bringing it is because god multiplies it and uses it so um yeah just think about your giving over the next few weeks and there's the ways to give online um, and there's envelopes at the back if you want to give in that way okay we haven't for a while had a time of saying hello to each other if you promise me it will be short then we'll have a quick time of going around and greeting each other and saying hello and please if anybody needs prayer just grab somebody around you and ask them to pray for you Okay, we are really, really privileged today because in a minute Chris is going to come up and talk to us and we are carrying on with our series on the Beatitudes and we're thinking today about the next saying that Jesus told us which is blessed are the meek and I've been thinking about that word meek And I don't know what your favourite picture or your favourite image of Jesus is. For me, I love the image of him being a lion and a lamb. Because you couldn't get a greater contrast. But when I was thinking about this morning, I thought actually that sums up what being meek is. Because Jesus had all the power he needed. He's God. He could have done anything when he came to the earth. And what did he do? He lived amongst those people that society rejected. He went and healed those people that nobody else would touch. He went and spent time with those those people that everybody else said, no, you're not good enough. And then he died on a cross. To me, that shows what being meek is. So being meek is actually, you've got power, you've got authority, but you don't need to use it because you're so secure in who you are in God. And again, I just apologise every time, but we're now going to hear what Bertie's got to say about being meek.
2: Glory, glory, Man United. Glory, glory, Man United. Come on, Betty, sing along with me. Did you see that game? That was an awesome goal.
0: Yes, Bertie, I did see it, especially because you played it back about a hundred times. But we need to go now. We promised we were going to help with the cleaning.
2: Oh, I've changed my mind about that. I want to go and practice my penalties. I'm getting so good at them. Did I tell you what the coach said? Yes, you did. That I'm the best penalty shooter in my age group? Yes, you did. That he knows I have a great future in football?
0: Yes, you did.
2: That I carry on being this awesome, he thinks I'll play for Man
0: U one day? Yes, you've told me all that, Bertie, along with the rest of Crawley. It's great you're doing so well, but you don't need to keep showing off. Pride comes before a fall. I'm just telling the truth Betty,
2: you told me yesterday that honesty was the best policy.
0: I did, but that was because you had fed the dinner to the dog and you were pretending it wasn't you.
2: Well, to be fair Betty, it was only quiche and really that's what Keish should be done with. Give it to Zox.
0: But it was important that you told the truth, otherwise we would never have had dinner. But this is different, you're bragging. Not everyone needs constant reminders about how good you are.
2: Bobby does. In fact, I'm so much better than him. He hasn't scored any goals this season.
0: But that's because he's a defender. He's played really well this season too. I even heard coach saying that he might get player of the year.
2: No don't think so, Bobby would have said if it was true.
0: Not everyone likes to shout their achievements from the rooftops. Bobby is really humble. But enough football talk, we need to go and help with the cleaning.
2: I told you, Betty, I'm not going. Do you think Ronaldo would ever have a hoover in his hands?
0: Probably not, but I bet Messi would. Oh,
2: Betty, this is no time for jokes. Someone of my calibre should not be cleaning. Besides, it's even more important that I practice now. I don't want Bobby beating me. I have to be the best. I need that award.
0: Bertie, it's great that you want to improve, but don't you think you're doing it for the wrong reasons? Hmm,
2: what do you mean by that, Betty?
0: Well, you're playing as part of a team, and so you should want everybody to do well, so that your team can win.
2: Mm, okay, Betty, that's fair. It was good. I felt good when we won the Cup last year as a team.
0: Exactly, and it was great seeing you celebrate together. But that took teamwork and commitment. If one person had hogged the ball because they wanted the glory, you never would have won.
2: I guess so. So, is that what being humble
0: means? Partly, yes. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less often. God's made us all uniquely special and we all need each other.
2: I like that, Betty, but I still want to practise. I can't let the team down if it does come to penalties after all.
0: That's fine, but clean in first. You promised you would help and that commitment is just as important as football.
2: Well Betty, to show you how humble I really am, I'm going to quote from a Liverpool manager. Yes, a Liverpool manager, Bill Shankly, who said, Football isn't a matter of life and death. It's more important than that.
0: Oh Bertie. <laughs> Please don't fire me. Um so, we're in a minute, Chris is going to come up and give us our message. We're going to give the activity packs out. Activity packs today for anyone that likes to use their hands while they're listening. So we've got a B to make, and it says, be humble, just like Bertie was talking about. Um, some of you older ones, you might like to look these verses up in the Bible. It's a maze to get through, and then a colouring page. And then we've also got at the back some paper set up for us to do a worship wall so if anyone wants to come and draw or write anything that they're thinking about about our service today please come and feel free to do that at the back I'll be at the back with some crayons doing that as well so we hand over to Chris I just pray for you Oh, Father God, I thank you so much for Chris. I thank you for the word that he's got for us today and just the powerful way that you work through him. I pray that you will speak to us through his words and I pray that you will just help us to receive what you want us to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Thank you, Kerry. Good morning, church. Good morning. <laughs> So I wonder if we would remember, as a child, the sayings that we would have learned, um, the quotes that we would have learned from other people, from famous people, from our teachers, from our elders. Uh, Would you like to take a few seconds and think about one or two sayings that you remember? Sorry, what? God's what? I'm going to bring the mic to you. Come on, (laughs) let's hear that. God's case, no appeal. Oh, Oh. okay. There's one famous saying in India, I don't know if you would have heard this, but be careful what you're doing because when you do something wrong, God will poke your eyes. For, for folks who are listening to us internationally, they, they'd understand. I'll say it in my local language. They'll say, sami I know no, none of you would have understood that, but it exactly says, if you do anything wrong, God will poke your eyes. And that's the kind of impression sometimes we have on God, you know is that if we make a mistake, we look at God as this person. If you can go to the next slide, please. We look at God as this person who's, you know, having this long beard and he's holding a thunderbolt, waiting for you to sin. And the moment you sin, he's going to put that thunderbolt on you and strike you down. That's the kind of impression that we have on God. But remember, folks, that Every choice that we make out of the fear of Him striking us down is going to lead us to condemnation. It's going to lead us to believing that we're going to be doing things, we're going to make choices out of the fear of being struck by God. And some of us actually have that sort of an impression on God that can only lead to condemnation. And that's why last week, if you go to the next slide, please, last week we looked at how uh, we don't stay, we mourn for our sin, but we don't stay in that sin. We move forward. We looked at how how to recalibrate ourselves individually and as a church family, to live beautifully in a broken world. And this week we're gonna look at, can we go to the next slide, please? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So just to build some context on this verse, to explain more on this verse. Let's look at the context first. Can we go to the next? Thank you. The definition of God's will is not preached out of love, but it's preached out of the, out of people's circumstances. It's like a defense mechanism we we hear sermons sometimes where people say where pastors preach saying that you know he's suffering because he did not do god's will he's sick because he did not read his bible he's not prosperous because he was not listening to the word of god and these are the kind of things that you know we hear but don't get me wrong i'm not against god's will I, I believe that we all have God's will for our life as well, but not all of God's will comes to pass. I might get into trouble for saying that. but hear me out, hear me out before, before you come to a conclusion, hear me out. It says in Second Peter 3:9, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some of us count slackness, but is long-suffering to us towards us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, God's will is that all should come to repentance. All should come to have everlasting life with Him. But does everyone go to heaven? Think about that. Does everyone accept Jesus? At the end of, in the end of time, When Jesus comes back and takes us all to heaven, does everybody reach heaven? Does everyone get to spend time with Jesus forever and ever? There are few people who aren't going to choose Jesus, aren't they? So, but does that mean that everything that happens in this world is God's will? Think about some of the things, some of the negative acts. I've got three questions for you. Can God control everybody's thoughts? and directions, so that nobody can go to hell? Can, can He control the people from the negative actions and the scars they leave in this world? Is God responsible for the people who displays brutal acts of terrorism, brutal acts against people, women and children? Can God control all of that? Is that all God's will? No, absolutely not. That is not God's will. And even from the beginning of time, God did not intend to control us. If He wanted to control us, He would have made us exactly like angels. Did you know that angels were made so that they can do specific tasks? There are messenger angels, there are warrior angels, there are singing angels, there are praising angels. They are all meant to do some specific tasks and God designed them that way. But God didn't design us in a way to be controlled, in a way to be doing a specific thing. God designed us in a way and gave us the most powerful thing. I'm going to come to that in a bit. But the bottom line is that we were not designed to be controlled. And I agree that by having this idea of a controlling God, there could be some sort of discipline in your life. But at the end of it, if we only think that I need to do this because of otherwise if I don't do this, God will strike me down. If we have that sort of an impression, it will only lead us to condemnation. So I understand where this, this fear of God comes from. From a very childhood, our parents, our teachers, they would all say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. But do you know that there is a second part to that verse? It says, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It is in understanding God's heart. If you look at the word fear, the Hebrew word it says "hirat," which actually means trembling or terror but there is another meaning to it. It means reverence, it means respect. When you respect someone, trust me you will listen to them whatever they tell you. You begin to respect somebody when you actually understand that person. When you begin to understand the motives of their heart when you begin to understand who they are as a person. You know, me and Bethany, we have a relationship. If somebody comes and tells me something wrong about Bethany, I wouldn't trust him in the first instance, because I know Bethany, she's my wife. And when we get to knowing God in an experiential sort of a way, in a way of a relationship, then you would respect and have reverence for him. Anything that then he says, you would be ready to do. You would know what to do. You would understand that person. And even if others come and tell wrong things about God, you would know who God is. You would know who he is. And based on that understanding, when we make choices we would make the choice that is in the will of God. Choice would be an automatic flow out of the understanding of that person. So imagine if you understand a certain thing, like for instance, let's say that there is a chair that is broken. And you look at that chair, you can see that one of the leg is broken and you know that when you are going to sit on it, it's going to collapse. Would you go sit on that chair? Why? Because you understand what a broken chair is. You understand that if you go and sit on a broken chair, when you look at it and it's broken, if you go and sit on it, you're going to fall down. You understand it. So your choice changed when there was understanding. If you didn't have that understanding that when you sit on a broken chair, it's going to fall down, your choice would have been different. You would have gone and sat on the chair and fallen down. So, there is a difference in making a choice with understanding and without understanding. So, that brings me to the first point uh, here. Sorry, even before we that I probably have to build a little more context. Jesus said that, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So the point I'm trying to make is that meekness is not based on the idea of complete submission to our version of the will of God. And notice that I said our version. But meekness is directly related to the choices that we make out of the relationship that we have in Him. God made sure that he gave us the greatest power that we could ever get and that is the power of our choice. We just established that and we were designed out of love and to fellowship. And most often what happens is that meekness is connected with weakness. Meek is not weak. And we, we look at the decisions made by people out of meekness as a symbol of being weak. So we are going to look at some of the characters in the Bible, how they made their choices. So that leads me to the first point is we're going we're gonna to see how choices are made by the knowledge of God through one of the person who made choices. Let's look at Joseph for instance. The most famous teaching that you will hear about Joseph in every youth meeting is that Joseph did not sin because he ran away from his temptation. That's the most, that's the anthem of a youth meeting. So if you don't want to sin, what do you do? Run! (laughs) Although it gives you a benefit, although it gives you a benefit because when you run away from your temptation, of course, the thought of sinning will not conceive in your heart and it will not lead towards sin. Of course there is a benefit to it, but that's not the end of Joseph's story. In Genesis 39, 7-9 it says, And it came to pass after these things, that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, Commit a wicked act with me. I'm just paraphrasing. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what he is, what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Let's put ourselves in that place. Imagine if your boss gave you everything. Like he gave you his assets, he gave you all of the power to do anything with that company. He gave access to all the guest houses, everything. He just put it in your hands. He said, I trust you and you have everything. And then this happens. Think about Joseph. Joseph is in that exact same place. He's got all authority. He's got everything in his hands. And this is what happens. A temptation comes by his way. And think about it again in this way. Joseph is far away from his house. Joseph does not need to worry about being embarrassed by his family because nobody knows where Joseph is. He's in a foreign land. Nobody that he knows personally are in that foreign land. Nobody's even going to get to know. He has all authority so he can cover up using that authority when he's going to commit that act with his master's wife. And the most important thing is that he did not want to commit the act, the master's wife wanted to commit the act. So, Joseph could have easily said, you know, nobody's going to get to know, my family is not going to get to know, I'm just going to go and have my fun and who cares, anyways the master has given me everything. He could have easily said that and committed the act. But he didn't. What did he do instead? He ran, he ran away. But before he ran away, the most important thing that he said is that How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Notice that it's a question. When we don't understand something, what do we do? We ask a question. Thank you, Liz. And Joseph also, he's a young man. And probably, you know, when he was sold as a slave, Um, he was probably 17 years, that's what the Bible says, and he would have been skinny and all of that, and then probably 10 years passed, and Joseph would have looked like, the next slide please, Chris Evans from Captain America. (laughs) And the woman couldn't have helped herself looking at that, and she would have thought, whoa, (laughs) okay, (laughs) this is not the same slave. Yeah, and think about this, when he left, he was 17 and he he wouldn't have understood God much at that age. Maybe his father Jacob would have explained about God to him and he would have expounded things to him. But just imagine, as a kid, how much would we have learned? you know, not to commit adultery, not to do sinful things. How much do we actually take as kids? We see the kids right now as well. How much are they actually listening? But as a kid, even you and I, we can think and relate to that. So who could have actually taught Joseph that it was wrong to commit the wicked act with his master's wife? Who could have actually taught him that? You know, that's amazing is because there's a verse in the Bible uh, and I think that's in Genesis 39. But it says that the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. This was the time when... Thank you. Genesis 39, 2-3. So this was the time when Joseph was sold from the slaves to Potiphar's house. And at that moment, the verse says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So notice this here, two things. The Lord was with Joseph and because of that, he was a prosperous man. Imagine, I am going as a slave into somebody's house. How is that prosperous? If I get a promotion and become the VP of some company, I would have thought that is prosperous. Or if I got a million bucks in my account, I would have thought that's prosperous. If I had a big house, wealthy cars and all of that, I would have thought I'm prosperous. Or in the scriptural sense, if you are loving, if you are kind, if you are humble, I would have thought I'm prosperous. But I'm going as a slave into a master's house. But the Lord says, I am with Joseph and because of that, he is a prosperous man. Which means, folks, that Joseph had a relationship with God directly. It was God teaching him that it was the wrong thing to do. And he was in a learning process and that is why he asks it as a question. I'm pretty sure Joseph, now I don't want to give too much credit to Joseph here as well. He is a young man. I'm pretty sure he would have been tempted as well. Looking at the Egyptian. I, I think the Egyptians were beautiful. I'm sure they would have been. And I'm sure Joseph would have been tempted. And that is why, out of the understanding, God would have probably spoken to him. You know, the Bible says that, she spoke to Joseph day by day. It was not just one day. So when something happens day by day, it festers a thought in your head. You start thinking, you start meditating on that. And day by day, Joseph would have thought, you know, he would have been tempted and God would have spoken to him. He would have had that relationship with him saying, you know, that is not my way for you. I've given you everything else and God would have explained that to Joseph. And Joseph had that relationship with God because The Lord was with him. And also think about this. Every day as she was tempting him, Joseph could have thought in his head, saying that, you know, I've got everything in this house. She is tempting me. Let me trap this woman. Let me set some security guards where she can't see some people around, so that the next time she asked me, she will be trapped. But Joseph didn't do that. And some of you are thinking, but Chris, isn't that a sign of foolishness? He had all the power in him. He had everything that he could have used against that woman and that would have saved his skin. Look at where all of this meekness has got Joseph. Look at where all of this gentleness has got Joseph into. And where did he land after that? After he denied his master's wife? The prison. He went to jail. But the Bible says that even in prison, Joseph was lifted up. Can you ever think about a prisoner going into prison and then being lifted up as the leader of that prison, the supervisor of that prison, who is made in charge of all the other prisoners. Can you ever think of a prisoner that way? Maybe in the US they just get good stuff, (laughs) you know, in the prison, but not to a point where they are lifted up as a leader in prison. That is strange to me. And that is because the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. It is because he made a choice there Not out of intelligence, not out of power, not out of strength but out of the meekness of his heart and out of the understanding of who God is in his life. Out of knowing God. He knew God. He knew. He didn't even care that he was sinning against Potiphar. He didn't care he was sinning against anyone but his words very clearly says, how can I do this wicked act against God? His only thought was me and my father God. That's the kind of relationship that he had. And that's the meekness in Joseph that inherited him the world. We know the story after that. He was lifted up from prison to the government and he ruled. Hello there. (laughs) He ruled the nation after that. And that is where the meekness of his heart got Joseph too. From there, I would like to go to the next point that is choice through the partnership with the Holy Spirit. Let's just look over here in 2 Corinthians 5.17 which says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away and the new has come. When a person gives their life to Jesus, what happens to them? Does a person who does not know mathematics, the day they give their life to Jesus, instantly know mathematics? Does a person who does not know how to play football at all, they are as skinny as me, and instantly the next day They're playing as good as Ronaldo or Messi or any one of the Manchester United great players. (laughs) Don't like to mention other teams though. (laughs) But yeah, does that happen? So what actually happens when we give our life to Jesus? So I've got a picture here. Sorry, Bethany. I, I might want you to go to the next slide. Yeah, I've got a picture here. So we are actually divided into three parts. Some of you are wondering, Chris, it's a Sunday morning. Just say something which will soothe our ears. Don't make our brain think so much. But trust me, at the end of the service, this will be soothing to your ears and it will bring comfort to your heart. So we are actually divided into three parts, body, soul and spirit. The one that you see here is the physical body. The soul is our mind that makes the choice. And the spirit is the one that God breathed into our lives. When Adam sinned, the spirit died. And when we accepted Jesus, the spirit came alive. We came in union. If you can go back to the previous slide, we came in union with the Holy Spirit when we accepted Jesus. So we had a new spirit. So when it says that the old things have passed away, it means that this spirit, sorry, the spirit that died came alive. It resurrected. That is what became new. But the body still remains the same. But you could make a difference with your body, and that is, when you choose to partner with the Holy Spirit. If you make a decision, if you make a choice out of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, your choices would vary. The things that you see in your physical will vary. You will begin to see all the blessing that Christ gave us in our spirit, it will begin to manifest in your body. And that is how it works. But we could also make choices based on our physical circumstances. We could choose to be depressed when we hear something negative in our lives. But at the same time, we could choose to listen to what Christ is saying in our ears. What the Holy Spirit is saying within our hearts. And that would change our entire perspective for that day. So sometimes the choices that the Spirit is prompting us may not make sense. It may be illogical. It may not be the most brilliant choice that we need to make. So let's look over in Acts 8, 5-8, to what Philip did. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing And seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was a great joy in that city Philip preached Jesus if you can go to the next slide demons fled physical circumstances were healed there was joy in that place even a sorcerer A witch doctor gave his life to Jesus and he had recognition from the leaders above. It says that John and Peter heard of all of these things from Jerusalem and they came down to see all of the great things that were happening. If I was Philip and if all of this great ministry was happening in my life, what I would have done is I would have set up camp. I would have probably called it Philip's Ministry or PAOG, Philip's Assemblies of God. And I would have said, Lord, this is the place that I want to put my church in because I am seeing great things happening. I'm seeing miracles happening. I'm seeing lives being transformed. This is where I want to be, Lord. But look at what, I, what happened. Go to the next slide, please. He, God said, you know, in Acts 8, 26... He said later God spoke to Philip at noonday, I want you to walk over to the desolate road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza and immediately, immediately Philip, he got up and went. That is amazing to me. He immediately partnered with the Holy Spirit. And later you can see in uh, verse 29, you can again see how Philip is partnering with the Holy Spirit. It says, the spirit told Philip while he was walking down, just to give you a background of that story. He sees a eunuch in a chariot while he was going and then the spirit told Philip, climb into that chariot. And Philip goes running across along with that chariot and there he asks a question to the eunuch, saying, are you reading the scroll of Isaiah? Do you understand what you're reading? And if Philip wouldn't have done that, if Philip wouldn't have partnered with the Holy Spirit, later on the story goes to saying that the eunuch invites him and he listens to all of what Philip says and the eunuch gives his life to Jesus and he gets baptized there. And later on, Philip is supernaturally just taken away from that place. If Philip wouldn't have partnered with the Holy Spirit at that moment, he wouldn't have met that person on that road. He wouldn't have led led one of the powerful government officials. The eunuch is actually in the prince's court, the princess's court. So he wouldn't have led this powerful, Government official to Christ. He wouldn't have been able to baptize her at all and he wouldn't have had this Supernatural experience of being transported from one place to another. I still don't know how that happened, but it did happen Better than first class or business class instant transportation imagine that you don't need a visa You don't need anyone asking you why you're coming into this country You just get transported from one place to another And some of us are actually longing for supernatural experiences, such as those. We also want God to minister to us supernaturally in those ways. But are we willing to make those choices that are meek? Are we willing to make those choices to partner with the Holy Spirit? The choices that makes no sense. If I was Philip-like, I said I would have easily argued with the Lord saying, everything is going right in this place. Why do you want me to get up and go? I would have easily told, I would have easily argued with the Lord. But then, out of all of that, I wouldn't have got the opportunity to lead someone to Christ. So coming to my last point from that is, choices by the obedience of Christ. You know, I'm going to put up the... I'm going to just briefly explain on this, but put up the notes on the website so that you can read further. But Paul talks about this in Romans 5. You know, where the Lord gave the law, the law of Moses was given to the people of Israel, not actually for them to follow the law, but to bring them to the end of themselves. The law of Moses was given so that people can recognize that they cannot keep the standard of God. That they cannot match the standard of God. And that is why Philip in Romans 5, he says that for one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more these who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one. Therefore, as... Through one man's offence, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteousness, righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteousness. Folks, we are sinners today, not because of our actions. We are sinners because we were made sinners through one man's disobedience. And you need to understand this. The reason why we sin is because of Adam and Eve's sin and because the generations that came out of Adam and Eve, they were born as sinners. They were made sinners because of one man's disobedience. But the story does not end with that. Through one man's obedience, We have been given, we have been made righteous through one man's obedience. And that is the most important things. Is that Christ obeyed, he carried our sin, he took our sickness by his obedience. He obeyed and took our curses. He obeyed and took our disconnection with God. Through his obedience he took all of these negative things on himself and in return can we go to the next slide please we are healed we are prosperous we have been restored a blessing and also the connection that we have with God is because of Christ's obedience in our life and therefore even when we fall short Even when we make mistakes, when we put our focus on the obedience of Christ, we will have the meekness, the meekness in our heart to forgive others who are falling short of His glory. And in my conclusion, that is what I actually want to challenge you is, you know, when we see someone else struggling with sin, When we see someone else struggling with bondage, depression, all of the things that we just heard, where do we point them to? We point them to the obedience of Christ. What did Christ obey and do on the cross? And out of that obedience, who are we now? We have been made righteousness out of that obedience. So, in my conclusion, I just want to say that uh, while I'm saying this, I request the worship team, if you can just come up. I would like to say and challenge the choices that we make. We have three things to do. We have a choice that we can make by the knowledge of God. We can make choices through the partnership with the Holy Spirit. Or we can make choices by putting our focus on Christ's Christ's obedience, And by doing this, we will see that out of the meekness of our heart, we will inherit this world for the kingdom of God. It's not just the materialistic things that we will inherit, but it is people whom we will inherit for the kingdom of God by doing this. So I want you to just take a moment just close our eyes. If we can just rise to our feet and just close our eyes. I just want you to take a moment to picture as if you are one amongst the people of Israel waiting for Jesus to speak. There's a lot of people around and you can hear them speaking to one another. They're, they're, they're chatting with each other. And they're trying to ask each other, saying, What is Jesus going to tell us? They're all waiting for Jesus to speak. You can see some of the children running around through the crowd. It's a cool evening. The wind is blowing. You can hear the wind blowing. You can hear people chattering. You can hear children running across here and there. And while all of that is happening, you are waiting for Jesus to say something. You can see some of the disciples talking on the right side. They're just talking to themselves and wondering, what is Jesus going to preach? What is he going to say? And then suddenly Jesus just stands up and he starts preaching. He starts saying something. You can hear Jesus' voice. You can hear him in a distance. And you want to hear more. You want to hear more what Jesus is saying. So you push through the crowd. You push through the crowd. And you keep moving forward. You gently go across until his voice becomes clear. And then you hear him say, The Lord your God will prosper you and multiply you More than your fathers, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. And you will again listen to the voice of the Lord and follow his ways. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, and in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord rejoices over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. I have forgiven you of all your sin and iniquity. I have healed you of all your sicknesses. I have given you the power to rule and judge angels. But are you willing to make a choice to follow my ways? Are you willing to choose the life that I have given you? Are you willing to go to places that I have called you to go? Are you willing to be gentle and forgiving to others as I have forgiven you? Because blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. you want to come up in front and receive prayer ministry we're gonna sing this song once again and if you made a choice in your heart that you want to make a change in your life but you want somebody to pray with you about it if the Lord spoke to you through this service I request you to please stay back receive prayer from our pastoral care they're gonna be up front, you can pray with any one of them and commit this and surrender it to the will of God. So we're gonna sing this song again, once again, while Ryan leads us in worship.
4: It, it came in before, like Chris said, what he said. You know, God said there's someone here who just needs to come to him. So, like, just please don't go. Just stay back for prayers if you know God has laid it in your heart, you know, to come to him. Please don't leave.
3: Jesus thank you Lord for today thank you for ministering to us Lord and I pray that this week would be an amazing week for each and every one of you present here I pray that you will be filled with the spirit you will be filled with the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the Lord that you will have divine health on your body that you will have all the power and all the glory of our Lord Jesus Jesus within you that you will be a blessing to someone this week that you will be someone who is going to minister to other people the people whom you come across and the people that the Lord puts in front of you I pray that you will have a blessed week and I bless you with the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus name we pray Amen, Amen Have a wonderful week, those watching online as well. We just bless you and we pray that you have a wonderful week. Happy Sunday.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.